wills to be, it also makes everything which happens appear to itself to be such as it wills. 9. In conformity to the nature of the universe, every single thing is accomplished. For certainly it is not in conformity to any other nature that each thing is accomplished, either a nature which externally comprehends this, or a nature which is comprehended within this nature, or a nature external and independent of this. 10. The universe is either a confusion and a mutual involution of things and a dispersion, or it is unity and order and providence. If, then, it is the former, why do I desire to tarry in a fortuitous combination of things and such a disorder? And why do I care about anything else than how I shall at last become earth? And why am I disturbed, for the dispersion of my elements will happen whatever I do? But if the other supposition is true, I venerate, and I am firm, and I trust in him who governs. 11. When thou hast been compelled by circumstances to be disturbed in a manner, quickly return to thyself, and do not continue out of tune longer than the compulsion lasts, for thou wilt have more mastery over the harmony by continually recurring to it. 12. If thou hadst a stepmother and a mother at the same time, thou wouldst be dutiful to thy stepmother but still thou wouldst constantly return to thy mother. Let the court and philosophy now be to thee stepmother and mother. Return to philosophy frequently, and repose in her, through whom what thou meetest in the court appears to thee tolerable, and thou appearest tolerable in the court. 13. When we have meat before us, and such edibles, we receive the impression that this is the dead body of a fish, and this the dead body of a bird or of a pig, and again that this Falernian is only a little grape-juice, and this purple robe, some sheep's wool, dyed with the blood of a shellfish. Such then are these impressions, and they reach the things themselves and penetrate them, and so we see what kind of things they are. Just in the same way, we ought to act all through life, and where there are things which appear most worthy of our approbation, we ought to lay them bare and look at their worthlessness, and strip them of all the words by which they are exalted. For outward show is a wonderful perverter of the reason, and when thou art most sure that thou art employed about things worth thy pains, it is then that it cheats thee most. Consider, then, what Crates said of Xenocrates himself. 14. Most of the things which the multitude admire are referred to objects of the most general kind, those which are held together by cohesion of natural organisation, such as stones, woods, fig trees, vines, olives. But those which are admired by men, who are a little more reasonable, are referred to the things which are held together by a living principle, as flocks, herds. Those which are admired by men who are still more instructed are the things which are held together by a rational soul, not, however, a universal soul, 
but rational so far as it is a soul skilled in some art, or expert in some other way, or simply rational so far as it possesses a number of slaves. But he who values a rational soul, a soul universal and fitted for political life, regards nothing else except this, and above all things he keeps his soul in a condition and in an activity comfortable to reason and social life, and he cooperates to this end with those who are of the same kind as himself. 15. Some things are hurrying into existence, and others are hurrying out of it, and of that which is coming into existence, part is already extinguished. Motions and changes are continually renewing the world, just as the uninterrupted course of time is always renewing the infinite duration of ages. In this flowing stream, then, on which there is no abiding, what is there of the things which hurry by, on which a man would set a high price? It would be just as if a man should fall in love with one of the sparrows which fly by, but it has already passed out of sight. Something of this kind is the very life of every man, like the exhalation of the blood and the respiration of the air. For such as it is to have once drawn in the air and to have given it back, which we do every moment, just the same is it with the whole respiratory power, which thou didst receive at thy birth yesterday and the day before, to give it back to the element from which thou didst first draw it. 16. Neither is transpiration, as in plants, a thing to be valued, nor respiration, as in domesticated animals and wild beasts, nor the receiving of impressions by the appearances of things, nor being moved by desires, as puppets by strings, nor assembling in herds, nor being nourished by food, for this is just like the act of separating and parting with the useless part of our food. What, then, is worth being valued? To be received with clapping of hands? No, neither must we value the clapping of tongues, for the praise which comes from the many is a clapping of tongues. Suppose, then, that thou hast given up this worthless thing called fame, what remains that is worth valuing? This, in my opinion, to move thyself and to restrain thyself in conformity to thy proper constitution, to which end both all employments and arts lead. For every art aims at this, that the thing which has been made should be adapted to the work for which it has been made. And both the vine-planter who looks after the vine, and the horse-breaker and he who trains the dog, seek this end. But the education and the teaching of youth aim at something. In this, then, is the value of the education and the teaching. And if this is well, thou wilt not seek anything else, Wilt thou not cease to value many other things too? Then thou wilt be neither free nor sufficient for thy own happiness, nor without passion. For of necessity thou must be envious, jealous, and suspicious of those who can take away those things, and plot against those who have that which is valued by thee. Of necessity a man must be altogether in a state of perturbation who wants any of these things, 
and besides he must often find fault with the gods. But to reverence and honour thy own mind will make thee content with thyself, and in harmony with society, and in agreement with the gods, that is, praising all that they give and have ordered. 17. Above, below, all around are the movements of the elements, but the motion of virtue is in none of these, it is something more divine, and advancing by a way hardly observed, it goes happily on its road. 18. How strangely men act! They will not praise those who are living at the same time and living with themselves, but to be praised by posterity, by those whom they have never seen nor ever will see, this they set much value on. But this is very much the same as if thou shouldst be grieved because those who lived before thee did not praise thee. 19. If a thing is difficult to be accomplished by thyself, do not think that it is impossible for man. But if anything is possible for man, and conformable to his nature, think that this can be attained by thyself too. 20. In the gymnastic exercises, suppose that a man has torn thee with nails, and by dashing against thy head has inflicted a wound. Well, we neither show any signs of vexation, nor are we offended, nor do we suspect him afterwards as a treacherous fellow, and yet we are on our guard against him, not, however, as an enemy, nor yet with suspicion, but we quietly get out of his way. Something like this let thy behaviour be in all the other parts of life. Let us overlook many things in those who are like antagonists in the gymnasium. For it is in our power, as I said, to get out of the way, and to have no suspicion nor hatred. 21. If any man is able to convince me, and show me that I do not think or act right, I will gladly change, for I seek the truth, by which no man was ever injured, but he is injured who abides in his error and ignorance. 22. I do my duty, other things trouble me not, for they are either things without life, or things without reason, or things that have rambled and know not the way. 23. As to the animals which have no reason, and generally all things and objects, do thou, since thou hast reason and they have none, Make use of them with a generous and liberal spirit. But towards human beings, as they have reason, behave in a social spirit. And on all occasions call on the gods, and do not perplex thyself about the length of time in which thou shalt do this, for even three hours so spent are sufficient. 24. Alexander the Macedonian and his groom by death were brought to the same state, for either they were received among the same seminal principles of the universe, or they were alike dispersed among the atoms. 25. Consider how many things in the same indivisible time take place in each of us, 
things which concern the body and things which concern the soul. And so thou wilt not wonder if many more things, or rather all things which come into existence in that which is the one and all, which we call the cosmos, exist in it at the same time. 26. If any man should propose to thee the question, how the name Antoninus is written, wouldst thou with a straining of the voice utter each letter? What then if they grow angry? Wilt thou be angry too? Wilt thou not go on with composure and number every letter? Just so then, in this life also, remember that every duty is made up of certain parts. These it is thy duty to observe, and without being disturbed or showing anger towards those who are angry with thee, to go on thy way and finish that which is set before thee. 27. How cruel it is not to allow men to strive after the things which appear to them to be suitable to their nature and profitable. And yet in a manner thou dost not allow them to do this, when thou art vexed because they do wrong. For they are certainly moved towards things because they suppose them to be suitable to their nature and profitable to them. But it is not so. Teach them then, and show them without being angry. 28. Death is a cessation of the impressions through the senses, and of the pulling of the strings which move the appetites, and of the discursive movements of the thoughts, and of the service to the flesh. 29. It is a shame for the soul to be first to give way in this life, when thy body does not give way. 30. Take care that thou art not made into a Caesar, that thou art not dyed with this dye. For such things happen. Keep thyself then simple, good, pure, serious, free from affection, a friend of justice, a worshipper of the gods, kind, affectionate, strenuous in all proper acts. Strive to continue to be such as philosophy wish to make thee. Reverence the gods and help men. Short is life. There is only one fruit of this terrene life, a pious disposition and social acts. Do everything as a disciple of Antoninus. Remember his constancy in every act which was conformable to reason, and his evenness in all things, and his piety, and the serenity of his countenance, and his sweetness, and his disregard of empty fame, and his efforts to understand things, and how he would never let anything pass without having first most carefully examined it, and clearly understood it, and how he bore with those who blamed him unjustly, without blaming them in return, how he did nothing in a hurry, and how he listened not to calumnies, and how exact an examiner of manners and actions he was, and not given to reproach people, nor timid, nor suspicious, nor a sophist, and with how little he was satisfied, such as lodging, bed, dress, food, servants, and how laborious and patient, and how he was able, on account of his sparing diet, to hold out to the evening, not even requiring to relieve himself by any evacuations, except at the usual hour 
and his firmness and uniformity in his friendships, and how he tolerated freedom of speech in those who opposed his opinions, and the pleasure that he had when any man showed him anything better, and how religious he was without superstition. Imitate all this, that thou mayest have as good a conscience when thy last hour comes, as he had. 31. Return to thy sober senses, and call thyself back. And when thou hast roused thyself from sleep, and hast perceived that they were only dreams which troubled thee, now in thy waking hours look at these things about thee, as thou didst look at those dreams. 32. I consist of a little body and a soul. Now to this little body all things are indifferent, for it is not able to perceive differences. But to the understanding those things only are indifferent, which are not the works of its own activity. But whatever things are the works of its own activity, all these are in its power. And of these, however, only those which are done with reference to the present, for as to the future and the past activities of the mind, even these are for the present indifferent. 33. Neither the labour which the hand does, nor that of the foot, is contrary to nature, so long as the foot does the foot's work, and the hand the hand's. So then, neither to a man, as a man, is his labour contrary to nature, so long as it does the things of a man. But if the labour is not contrary to his nature, neither is it an evil to him. 34. How many pleasures have been enjoyed by robbers, patricides, tyrants? 35. Dost thou not see how the handicraftsmen accommodate themselves up to a certain point to those who are not skilled in their craft? Nevertheless, they cling to the reason, the principles of their art, and do not endure to depart from it. Is it not strange if the architect and the physician shall have more respect to the reason of their own arts than man to his own reason, which is common to him and the gods? 36. Asia and Europe are corners of the universe, all the sea a drop in the universe, Athos a little clod of the universe. All the present time is a point in eternity, all things are little, changeable, perishable. All things come from thence, from that universal ruling power, either directly proceeding or by way of sequence. And accordingly, the lion's gaping jaws, and that which is poisonous, and every harmful thing, as a thorn, as mud, are after-products of the grand and beautiful. Do not then imagine that they are of another kind from that which thou dost venerate, but form a just opinion of the source of all. 37. He who has seen present things has seen all both everything which has taken place from all eternity, and everything which will be for time without end. For all things are of one kin, and of one form. 38. 
frequently consider the connection of all things in the universe and their relation to one another. For in a manner all things are implicated with one another, and all in this way are friendly to one another. For one thing comes in order after another, and this is by virtue of the active movement and mutual conspiration and the unity of the substance. 39. Adapt thyself to the things with which thy lot has been cast, and the men among whom thou hast received thy portion, love them, but do it truly and sincerely. 40. Every instrument, tool, vessel, if it does that for which it has been made, is well, and yet he who made it is not there. But in the things which are held together by nature, there is within, and there abides in them, the power which made them. Wherefore, the more is it fit to reverence this power, and to think that, if thou dost live and act according to its will, everything in thee is in conformity to intelligence. And thus also in the universe, the things which belong to it are in conformity to intelligence. 41. Whatever of the things which are not within thy power thou shalt suppose to be good for thee, or evil, it must of necessity be that, if such a bad thing befall thee, or the loss of such a good thing, thou wilt not blame the gods, and hate men too, those who are the cause of the misfortune or the loss, or those who are suspected of being likely to be the cause. And indeed, we do much injustice, because we make a difference between these things, and because we do not regard these things as indifferent. But if we judge only those things which are in our power to be good or bad, there remains no reason either for finding fault with God, or standing in a hostile attitude to man. 42. We are all working together to one end, some with knowledge and design, and others without knowing what they do. As men also when they are asleep, of whom it is Heraclitus, I think, who says that they are labourers and cooperators in the things which take place in the universe. But men cooperate after different fashions, and even those who cooperate abundantly, who find fault with what happens and those who try to oppose it and to hinder it, for the universe had need even of such men as these. It remains then for thee to understand among what kind of workmen thou placest thyself, for he who rules all things will certainly make a right use of thee, and he will receive thee among some part of the cooperators and of those whose labours conduce to one end. But be not thou such a part as the mean and ridiculous verse in the play, which Chrysippus speaks of. 43. Does the sun undertake to do the work of the rain, or Asculapius the work of the earth? And how is it with respect to each of the stars? Are they not different, and yet they work together to the same end? 44. If the gods have determined about me, and about the things which must happen to me, they have determined well, for it is not easy to imagine a deity without forethought. And as to doing me harm, why should they have any desire towards that? 
for what advantage would result to them from this, or to the whole, which is the special object of their providence. But if they have not determined about me individually, they have certainly determined about the whole at least, and the things which happen by way of sequence in this general arrangement, I ought to accept with pleasure, and to be content with them. But if they determine about nothing, which is wicked to believe, for if we do believe it, let us neither sacrifice, nor pray, nor swear by them, nor do anything else which we do as if the gods were present and lived with us. But if, however, the gods determine about none of the things which concern us, I am able to determine about myself, and I can inquire about that which is useful. And that is useful to every man, which is conformable to his own constitution and nature. But my nature is rational and social, and my city and country, so far as I am Antoninus, is Rome. But so far as I am a man, it is the world. The things, then, which are useful to these cities, are alone useful to me. 45. Whatever happens to every man, this is for the interest of the universal. This might be sufficient, but further thou wilt observe this also as a general truth, if thou dost observe, that whatever is profitable to any man, is profitable also to other men. But let the word profitable here be taken in the common sense, as said of things of the middle kind, neither good nor bad. 46. As it happens to thee in the amphitheatre and such places, that the continual sight of the same things and the uniformity make the spectacle wearisome, so it is in the whole of life. For all things above, below, are the same, and from the same. How long, then? 47. Think continually that all kinds of men, of all kinds of pursuits, and of all nations, are dead, so that thy thoughts come down even to Philistian, and Phoebus, and Oregonian. Now turn thy thoughts to the other kinds. To that place, then, we must remove, where there are so many great orators, and so many noble philosophers, Heraclitus, Pythagoras, Socrates, so many heroes of former days, and so many generals after them, and tyrants. Besides these, the Exodus, Hipparchus, Archimedes, and other men of acute natural talents, great minds, lovers of labour, versatile, confident, mockers even of the perishable and ephemerable life of man, as Menippus and such as are like him. As to all these, consider that they have long been in the dust. What harm then is this to them, and what to those whose names are altogether unknown? One thing here is worth a great deal, to pass thy life in truth and justice, with a benevolent disposition even to liars and unjust men. 48. When thou wishest to delight thyself, think of the virtues of those who live with thee, for instance, the activity of one, and the modesty of another, and the liberality of a third, and some other good quality of a fourth. For nothing delights so much as the examples of the virtues, when they are exhibited in the morals of those who live with us, and present themselves in abundance, as far as is possible. 
Wherefore, we must keep them before us. 49. Thou art not dissatisfied, I suppose, because thou weighest only so many litrae, and not three hundred. Be not dissatisfied, then, that thou must live only so many years, and not more. For as thou art satisfied with the amount of substance which has been assigned to thee, so be content with the time. 50. Let us try to persuade men, but act even against their will when the principles of justice lead that way. If, however, any man by using force stands in thy way, betake thyself to contentment and tranquillity, and at the same time employ the hindrance towards the exercise of some other virtue. And remember that thy attempt was with a reservation, that thou didst not desire to do impossibilities. What then didst thou desire? Some effort as this. But thou attainest thy object, if the things to which thou wast moved are or are not accomplished. 51. He who loves fame considers another man's activity to be his own good, and he who loves pleasure his own sensations. But he who has an understanding considers his own acts to be his own good. 52. It is in our power to have no opinion about a thing, and not to be disturbed in our soul. For things themselves have no natural power to form our judgments. 53. Accustom thyself to attend carefully to what is said by another, and as much as it is possible, be in the speaker's mind. 54. That which is not good for the swarm, neither is it good for the bee. 55. If sailors abused the helmsman, or the sick, the doctor, would they listen to anybody else? Or how could the helmsman secure the safety of those in the ship, or the doctor the health of those whom he attends? 56. How many together with whom I came into the world are already gone out of it? 57. To the jaundiced, honey tastes bitter, and to those bitten by mad dogs, water causes fear, and to little children, the bowl is a fine thing. Why then am I angry? Dost thou think that a false opinion has less power than the bile in the jaundiced, or the poison in him who is bitten by a mad dog? 58. No man will hinder thee from living according to the reason of thy own nature. Nothing will happen to thee contrary to the reason of the universal nature. 59. What kind of people are those who men wish to please, and for what objects, and by what kind of acts? How soon will time cover all things, and how many it has covered already? Book 7 1. What is badness? It is that which thou hast often seen, and on the occasion of everything which happens, keep this in mind, that it is that which thou hast often seen. Everywhere up and down thou wilt find the same things, with which the old histories are filled, 
those of the Middle Ages and those of our own day, with which cities and houses are filled now. There is nothing new, all things are both familiar and short-lived. 2. How can our principles become dead, unless the impressions, thoughts, which correspond to them, are extinguished? But it is in thy power to continuously fan these thoughts into a flame. I can have that opinion about anything which I ought to have. If I can, why am I disturbed? These things which are external to my mind have no relation at all to my mind. Let this be the state of thy affects, and thou standest erect. To recover thy life is in thy power. Look at things again, as thou didst use to look at them, for in this consists the recovery of thy life. 3. The idle business of show, plays on the stage, flocks of sheep, herds, exercises with spears, a bone cast to little dogs, a bit of bread into fish-ponds, labourings of ants and burden-carrying, runnings about of frightened little mice, puppets pulled by strings, all alike. It is thy duty, then, in the midst of such things, to show good humour and not a proud air, to understand, however, that every man is worth just so much as the things are worth about which he busies himself. 4. In discourse thou must attend to what is said, and in every movement thou must observe what is doing, and in the one thou should see immediately to what end it refers, but in the other watch carefully what is the thing signified. 5. Is my understanding sufficient for this or not? If it is sufficient, I use it for the work as an instrument given by the universal nature. But if it is not sufficient, then either I retire from the work and give way to him who is able to do it better, unless there be some reason why I ought not to do so, or I do it as well as I can, taking to help me the man who with the aid of my ruling principle can do what is now fit and useful for the general good. For whatsoever, either by myself or with another I can do, ought to be directed to this only, to that which is useful and well suited to society. 6. How many, after being celebrated by fame, have been given up to oblivion, and how many who have celebrated the fame of others have long been dead? 7. Be not ashamed to be helped, for it is thy business to do thy duty like a soldier in the assault on a town. How then, if being lame thou canst not mount up on the battlements alone, but with the help of another, it is possible? 8. Let not future things disturb thee, for thou wilt come to them if it shall be necessary, having with thee the same reason which thou now usest for present things. 9. All things are implicated with one another, and the bond is holy, and there is hardly anything unconnected with any other thing. For things have been coordinated, and they combine to form the same universe. For there is one universe made up of all things, and one God who pervades all things, 
and one substance and one law, one common reason in all intelligent animals, and one truth. If indeed there is also one perfection for all animals which are of the same stock, and participate in the reason. 10. Everything material soon disappears in the substance of the whole, and everything formal is very soon taken back into the universal reason, and the memory of everything is very soon overwhelmed in time. 11. To the rational animal, the same act is according to nature and according to reason. 12. Be thou erect, or be made erect. 13. Just as it is with the members in those bodies which are united in one, so it is with rational beings which exist separate, for they have been constituted for one cooperation. And the perception of this will be more apparent to thee if thou often sayest to thyself that I am a member of the system of rational beings. But if thou sayest that thou art a part, thou dost not yet love men from thy heart. Beneficence does not yet delight thee for its own sake. Thou still doest it barely as a thing of propriety, and not yet as doing good to thyself. 14. Let there fall externally what will on the parts which can feel the effects of this fall. For those parts which have felt will complain if they choose. But I, unless I think what has happened is an evil, am not injured, and it is in my power not to think so. 15. Whatever anyone does or says, I must be good, just as if the gold or the emerald or the purple were saying this. Whatever anyone does or says, I must be emerald and keep my colour. 16. The ruling faculty does not disturb itself. I mean, does not frighten itself or cause itself pain. But if anyone else can frighten or pain it, let him do so. For the faculty itself will not, by its own opinion, turn itself into such ways. Let the body itself take care, if it can, that it suffer nothing, and let it speak if it suffers. But the soul itself, that which is subject to fear, to pain, which has completely the power of forming an opinion about these things, will suffer nothing, for it will never deviate into such a judgment. The leading principle in itself wants nothing, unless it makes a want for itself, and therefore it is both free from perturbation and unimpeded, if it does not disturb and impede itself. 17. Eudaimonia, happiness, is a good daemon, or a good thing. What then art thou doing here, O imagination? Go away, I entreat thee by the gods, as thou didst come, for I want thee not. But thou art come according to thy old fashion. I am not angry with thee, only go away. 18. Is any man afraid of change? Why, what can take place without change? What then is more pleasing or more suitable to the universal nature? And canst thou take a bath unless the wood undergoes a change? And canst thou be nourished unless the food undergoes a change? 
and can anything else that is useful be accomplished without change? Dost thou not see, then, that for thyself also to change is just the same, and equally necessary for the universal nature? 19. Through the universal substance, as through a furious torrent all bodies are carried, being by their nature united with and cooperating with the whole, as the parts of our body with one another. How many a Chrysippus, how many a Socrates, how many an Epictetus has time already swallowed up? And let the same thought occur to thee with reference to every man and thing. 20. One thing only troubles me, lest I should do something which the constitution of man does not allow, or in the way which it does not allow, or what it does not allow now. 21. Near is thy forgetfulness of all things, and near the forgetfulness of thee by all. 22. It is peculiar to man to love even those who do wrong, and this happens if, when they do wrong, it occurs to thee that they are kinsmen, and that they do wrong through ignorance and unintentionally, and that soon both of you will die, and above all, that the wrongdoer has done thee no harm, for he has not made thy ruling faculty worse than it was before. 23. The universal nature out of the universal substance, as if it were wax, now moulds a horse, and when it has broken this up, it uses the material for a tree, then for a man, then for something else. And each of these things subsists for a very short time. But it is no hardship for the vessel to be broken up, just as there was none in its being fastened together. 24. A scowling look is altogether unnatural. When it is often assumed, the result is that all comeliness dies away, and at last is so completely extinguished that it cannot be again lighted up at all. Try to conclude from this very fact that it is contrary to reason, for if even the perception of doing wrong shall depart, what reason is there for living any longer? 25. Nature which governs the whole will soon change all things thou seest, and out of their substance will make other things, and again other things from the substance of them, in order that the world may be ever new. 26. When a man has done thee any wrong, immediately consider with what opinion about good and evil he has done wrong. For when thou hast seen this, thou wilt pity him, and wilt neither wonder nor be angry. For either thou thyself thinkest the same thing to be good that he does, or another thing of the same kind. It is thy duty, then, to pardon him. But if thou dost not think such things to be good or evil, thou wilt more readily be well disposed to him who is in error. 27. Think not so much of what thou hast not, as of what thou hast. But of the things which thou hast, select the best, and then reflect how eagerly they would have been sought if thou hadst them not. At the same time, however, take care that thou dost not, through being so pleased with them, accustom thyself to overvalue them, so as to be disturbed if ever thou shouldst not have them.
28. Retire in to thyself. The rational principle which rules has this nature, that it is content with itself when it does what is just, and so secures tranquillity. 29. Wipe out imagination. Stop the pulling of the strings. Confine thyself to the present. Understand well what happens either to thee or to another. Divide and distribute every object into the causal and the material. Think of thy last hour. Let the wrong which is done by a man stay there where the wrong was done. 30. Direct thy attention to what is said. Let thy understanding enter into the things that are doing and the things which do them. 31. Adorn thyself with simplicity and modesty, and with indifference towards the things which lie between virtue and vice. Love mankind, follow God. The poet says that law rules all, and it is enough to remember that law rules all. 32. About death, whether it is a dispersion, or a resolution into atoms, or annihilation, it is either extinction or change. 33. About pain. The pain which is intolerable carries us off, but that which lasts a long time is tolerable, and the mind maintains its own tranquillity by retiring into itself, and the ruling faculty is not made worse. But the parts which are harmed by pain, let them, if they can, give their opinion about it. 34. About fame. Look at the minds of those who seek fame, observe what they are, and what kind of things they avoid, and what kind of things they pursue, and consider that as the heaps of sand piled on one another hide the former sands, so in life the events which go before are soon covered by those which come after. 35. From Plato. The man who has an elevated mind, and takes a view of all time, and of all substance, dost thou suppose it possible for him to think that human life is anything great? It is not possible, he said. Such a man, then, will think that death also is no evil. Certainly not. 36. From Antisthenes. It is royal to do good, and to be abused for it. 37. It is a base thing for the countenance to be obedient and to regulate and compose itself as the mind commands, and for the mind not to be regulated and composed by itself. 38. It is not right to vex ourselves at things, for they care naught about it. 39. To the immortal gods, and give us joy. 40. Life must be reaped like the ripe ears of corn. One man is born, another dies. 41. If gods care not for me and my children, there is a reason for it. 42. For the good is with me, and the just. 43. No joining others in their wailing, no violent emotion. 44. From Plato.
But I would make this man a sufficient answer, which is this. Thou sayest not well if thou thinkest that a man who is good for anything at all ought to compute the hazard of life or death, and should not rather look to this only in all that he does, whether he is doing what is just or unjust, and the works of a good or a bad man. 45. For thus it is, men of Athens, in truth, wherever a man has placed himself, thinking it the best place for him, or has been placed by a commander, there, in my opinion, he ought to stay, and to abide the hazard, taking nothing into the reckoning, either death or anything else, before the baseness of deserting his post. 46. But, my good friend, reflect whether that which is noble and good is not something different from saving and being saved. For as to a man living such or such a time, at least one who is really a man, consider if this is not a thing to be dismissed from the thoughts. And there must be no love of life. But as to these matters, a man must entrust them to the deity, and believe what the women say, that no man can escape his destiny, the next inquiry being how he may best live the time that he has to live. 47. Look around at the courses of the stars, as if thou wert going along with them, and constantly consider the changes of the elements into one another, for such thoughts purge away the filth of the terrene life. 48. This is a fine saying of Plato, that he who is discoursing about men should look also at earthly things as if he viewed them from some higher place, should look at them in their assemblies, armies, agricultural labours, marriages, treaties, births, deaths, noise of the courts of justice, desert places, various nations of barbarians, feasts, lamentations, markets, a mixture of all things, and an orderly combination of contraries. 49. Consider the past. Such great changes of political supremacies, thou mayest foresee also the things which will be, for they will certainly be of like form, and it is not possible that they should deviate from the order of the things which take place now. Accordingly, to have contemplated human life for forty years is the same as to have contemplated it for ten thousand years, for what more wilt thou see? 50. That which has grown from the earth to the earth, but that which has sprung from heavenly seed back to the heavenly realms returns. This is either a dissolution of the mutual involution of the atoms, or a similar dispersion of the unsentient elements. 51. With food and drinks and cunning magic arts, turning the channel's course to scape from death, the breeze which heaven has sent, we must endure and toil without complaining. 52. Another may be more expert in casting his opponent, but he is not more social, nor more modest, nor better disciplined to meet all that happens, nor more considerate with respect to the faults of his neighbours. 53. Where any work can be done comfortably to the reason which is common to gods and men, 
There we have nothing to fear, for where we are able to get profit by means of the activity which is successful and proceeds according to our constitution, there no harm is to be suspected. 54. Everywhere and at all times it is in thy power piously to acquiesce in thy present condition, and to behave justly to those who are about thee, and to exert thy skill upon thy present thoughts, that nothing shall steal into them without being well examined. 55. Do not look around thee to discover other men's ruling principles, but look straight to this, to what nature leads thee, both the universal nature through the things which happen to thee, and thy own nature through the acts which must be done by thee. But every being ought to do that which is according to its constitution, and all other things have been constituted for the sake of rational beings, just as among irrational things the inferior for the sake of the superior, but the rational for the sake of one another. The prime principle, then, in man's constitution is the social, and the second is not to yield to the persuasions of the body, for it is the peculiar office of the rational and intelligent motion to circumscribe itself, and never to be overpowered either by the motion of the senses or of the appetites, for both are animal. But the intelligent motion claims superiority, and does not permit itself to be overpowered by the others. And with good reason, for it is formed by nature to use all of them. The third thing in the rational constitution is freedom from error and from deception. Let the ruling principle holding fast to these things go straight on, and it has what is its own. 56. Consider thyself to be dead, and to have completed thy life up to the present time, and live according to nature the remainder which is allowed to thee. 57. Love that only which happens to thee, and is spun with the thread of thy destiny. For what is more suitable? 58. In everything which happens, keep before thy eyes those to whom the same things happened, and how they were vexed, and treated them as strange things, and found fault with them. And now where are they? Nowhere. Why, then, dost thou too choose to act in the same way? And why dost thou not leave these agitations which are foreign to nature, to those who cause them, and to those who are moved by them? And why art thou not altogether intent upon the right way of making use of the things which happen to thee? For then thou wilt use them well, and they will be a material for thee to work on. Only attend to thyself, and resolve to be a good man in every act which thou doest. 59. Look within. Within is the fountain of good, and it will ever bubble up, if thou wilt ever dig. 60. The body ought to be compact, and to show no irregularity either in motion or attitude. For what the mind shows in the face by maintaining it in the expression of intelligence and propriety, that ought to be required also in the whole body. But all these things should be observed without affectation. 61. 
The art of life is more like the wrestler's art than the dancer's, in this respect, that it should stand ready and firm to meet onsets which are sudden and unexpected. 62. Constantly observe who those are whose approbation thou wishest to have, and what ruling principles they possess. For then thou wilt neither blame those who offend involuntarily, nor wilt thou want their approbation, if thou lookest to the sources of their opinions and appetites. 63. Every soul, the philosopher says, is involuntarily deprived of truth. Consequently, in the same way, it is deprived of justice and temperance, and benevolence and everything of the kind. It is most necessary to bear this constantly in mind, for thus thou wilt be more gentle towards all. 64. In every pain let this thought be present, that there is no dishonour in it, nor does it make the governing intelligence worse, for it does not damage the intelligence, either so far as the intelligence is rational, or so far as it is social. Indeed, in the case of most pains, let this remark of Epicurus aid thee, that pain is neither intolerable nor everlasting, if thou bearest in mind that it has its limits, and if thou addest nothing to it in imagination. And remember this, too, that we do not perceive that many things which are disagreeable to us are the same as pain, such as excessive drowsiness, and being scorched by heat, and having no appetite. When then thou art discontented by any of these things, say to thyself that thou art yielding to pain. 65. Take care not to feel towards the inhuman as they feel towards men. 66. How do we know if Telorges was not superior in character to Socrates? For it is not enough that Socrates died a more noble death, and disputed more skilfully with the sophists, and passed the night in the cold with more endurance, and that when he was bid to arrest Leon of Salamis, he considered it more noble to refuse, and that he walked in a swaggering way in the streets, though as to this fact one may have great doubts if it was true. But we ought to inquire what kind of soul it was that Socrates possessed, and if he was able to be content with being just towards men and pious towards the gods, neither idly vexed on account of men's villainy, nor yet making himself a slave to any man's ignorance, nor receiving as strange anything that fell to his share out of the universe, nor enduring it as intolerable, nor allowing his understanding to sympathise with the effects of the miserable flesh. 67. Nature has not so mingled with the composition of the body, as not to have allowed thee the power of circumscribing thyself, and of bringing under subjection to thyself all that is thy own. For it is very possible to be a divine man, and to be recognised as such by no one. Always bear this in mind. And another thing, too, that very little indeed is necessary for a happy life. And because thou hast despaired of becoming a dialectician, and skilled in the knowledge of nature, do not, for this reason, renounce the hope of being both free and modest, and social and obedient to God. 68. 
It is in thy power to live free from all compulsion in the greatest tranquillity of mind. Even if all the world cry out against thee as much as they choose, and even if wild beasts tear in pieces the members of this needed matter which has grown around thee. For what hinders the mind in the midst of all this from maintaining itself in tranquillity, and in a just judgment of all surrounding things, and in a ready use of the objects which are presented to it, so that the judgment may say to the thing which falls under its observation, This thou art in substance, though in men's opinion thou mayest appear to be of a different kind. And the use shall say to that which falls under the hand, Thou art the thing I was seeking. For to me that which presents itself is always a material for virtue, both rational and political, and in a word, for the exercise of art, which belongs to man or God. For everything which happens has a relationship either to God or man, and is neither new nor difficult to handle, but usual and apt matter to work on. 69. The perfection of moral character consists in this, in passing every day as the last, and in being neither violently excited, nor torpid, nor playing the hypocrite. 70. The gods who are immortal are not vexed because during so long a time they must tolerate continually men such as they are, and so many of them bad, and besides this, they also take care of them in all ways. But thou, who art destined to end so soon, art thou wearied of enduring the bad, and this too when thou art one of them? 71. It is a ridiculous thing for a man not to fly from his own badness, which is indeed possible, but to fly from other men's badness, which is impossible. 72. Whatever the rational and political faculty finds to be neither intelligent nor social, it properly judges to be inferior to itself. 73. When thou hast done a good act and another has received it, why dost thou still look for a third thing besides these, as fools do, either to have the reputation of having done a good act, or to obtain a return? 74. No man is tired of receiving what is useful, but it is useful to act according to nature. Do not, then, be tired of receiving what is useful by doing it to others. 75. The nature of all moved to make the universe, but now either everything that takes place comes by way of consequence or continuity, or even the chief things towards which the ruling power of the universe directs its own movement are governed by no rational principle. If this is remembered, it will make thee more tranquil in many things. Book 8 1. This reflection also tends to the removal of the desire of empty fame, that it is no longer in thy power to have lived the whole of thy life, or at least thy life from thy youth upwards, like a philosopher. But both to many others and to thyself, it is plain that thou art far from philosophy. Thou hast fallen into disorder then, 
so that it is no longer easy for thee to get the reputation of a philosopher, and thy plan of life also opposes it. If, then, thou hast truly seen where the matter lies, throw away the thought how thou shalt seem to others, and be content if thou shalt live the rest of thy life in such wise as thy nature wills. Observe then what it wills, and let nothing else distract thee, for thou hast had experience of many wanderings without having found happiness anywhere, not in syllogisms, nor in wealth, nor in reputation, nor in enjoyment, nor anywhere. Where is it then? In doing what man's nature requires. How then shall a man do this? If he has principles from which come his affects and his acts. What principles? Those which relate to good and bad. The belief that there is nothing good for man which does not make him just, temperate, manly, free. And there is nothing bad which does not do the contrary to what has been mentioned. 2. On the occasion of every act, ask thyself, How is this with respect to me? Shall I repent of it? A little time, and I am dead, and all is gone. What more do I seek, if what I am now doing is the work of an intelligent living being, and a social being, and one who is under the same law with God? 3. Alexander and Gaius and Pompeius, what are they in comparison with Diogenes and Heraclitus and Socrates? For the latter were acquainted with things and their causes and their matter, and the ruling principles of these men were the same. But as to the former, how many things they had to care for, and to how many things were they slaves? 4. Consider that men will do the same things nevertheless, even though thou shouldst burst. 5. This is the chief thing. Be not perturbed, for all things are according to the nature of the universal, and in a little time thou wilt be nobody and nowhere, like Hadrianus and Augustus. In the next place, having fixed thy eyes steadily on thy business, look at it, and at the same time remembering that it is thy duty to be a good man, and what man's nature demands, do that without turning aside, and speak as if it seems to thee most just, only let it be with a good disposition, and with modesty, and without hypocrisy. 6. The nature of the universal has this work to do, to remove to that place the things which are in this, to change them, to take them away hence, and to carry them there. All things are change, yet we need not fear anything new. All things are familiar to us but the distribution of them still remains the same. 7. Every nature is contented with itself when it goes on its way well, and a rational nature goes on its way well when in its thoughts it assents to nothing false or uncertain, and when it directs its movements to social acts only, and when it confines its desires and aversions to the things which are in its power, and when it is satisfied with everything that is assigned to it by the common nature. For of this common nature, every particular nature is a part, as the nature of the leaf is a part of the nature of the plant, 
except that in the plant the nature of the leaf is part of a nature which has not perception or reason, and is subject to be impeded. But the nature of man is part of a nature which is not subject to impediments, and is intelligent and just, since it gives to everything in equal portions and according to its worth, times, substance, cause, activity, and incident. But examine, not to discover that any one thing compared with any other thing is equal in all respects, but by taking all the parts together of one thing, and comparing them with all the parts together of another. 8. Thou hast not leisure to read, but thou hast leisure to check arrogance. Thou hast leisure to be superior to pleasure and pain. Thou hast leisure to be superior to love of fame, and not to be vexed at stupid and ungrateful people, nay, even to care for them. 9. Let no man any longer hear thy finding fault with the court life, or with thy own. 10. Repentance is a kind of self-reproof for having neglected something useful. But that which is good must be something useful, and the perfect good man should look after it. But no such man would ever repent of having refused any sensual pleasure. Pleasure, then, is neither good nor useful. 11. This thing, what is it in itself, in its own constitution? What is its subsistence and material, and what its causal nature or form? And what is it doing in the world, and how long does it subsist? 12. When thou risest from sleep with reluctance, Remember that it is according to thy constitution and according to human nature to perform social acts, but sleeping is common also to irrational animals. But that which is according to each individual's nature is also more peculiarly its own, and more suitable to its nature, and indeed also more agreeable. 13. Constantly, and if it be possible, on the occasion of every impression on the soul, apply to it the principles of physic, of ethic, and of dialectic. 14. Whatever man thou meetest with, immediately say to thyself, What opinions has this man about good and bad? For if with respect to pleasure and pain, and the causes of each, and with respect to fame and ignominy, death and life, he has such and such opinions. It will seem nothing wonderful or strange to me if he does such and such things, and I shall bear in mind that he is compelled to do so. 15. Remember that as it is foolish to be surprised if the fig tree produces figs, so it is to be surprised if the world produces such and such things, of which it is productive. And for the physician and helmsman it is foolish to be surprised if a man has a fever, or if the wind is unfavourable. 16. Remember that to change thy opinion and to follow him who corrects thy error is as consistent with freedom as it is to persist in thy error. For it is thy own the activity which is exerted according to thy own movement and judgment, and indeed according to thy own understanding too. 17. 
If a thing is in thy own power, why dost thou do it? But if it is in the power of another, whom dost thou blame? The atoms or the gods? Both are foolish. Thou must blame nobody. For if thou canst, correct that which is the cause. But if thou canst not do this, correct at least the thing itself. But if thou canst not do even this, of what use is it to thee to find fault? For nothing should be done without a purpose. 18. That which has died falls not out of the universe. If it stays here, it also changes here, and is dissolved into its proper parts, which are elements of the universe and of thyself. And these too change, and they murmur not. 19. Everything exists for some end, a horse, a vine. Why dost thou wonder? Even the sun will say, I am for some purpose, and the rest of the gods will say the same. For what purpose, then, art thou? To enjoy pleasure? See if common sense allows this. 20. Nature has had regard in everything, no less to the end than to the beginning and the continuance, just like the man who throws up a bowl. What good is it, then, for the bowl to be thrown up, or harm for it to come down, or even to have fallen? And what good is it to the bubble while it holds together, or what harm when it is burst? The same may be said of a light also. 21. Turn the body inside out, and see what kind of thing it is, and when it has grown old, what kind of thing it becomes, and when it is diseased. Short-lived are both the praiser and the praised, and the rememberer and the remembered and all this in a nook of this part of the world, and not even here do all agree, no, not even any one with himself. And the whole earth too is a point. 22. Attend to the matter which is before thee, whether it is an opinion or an act or a word. Thou sufferest this justly, for thou choosest rather to become good to-morrow than to be good to-day. 23. Am I doing anything? I do it with reference to the good of mankind. Does anything happen to me? I receive it and refer it to the gods and the source of all things, from which all that happens is derived. 24. Such as bathing appears to thee, oil, sweat, dirt, filthy water, and all things disgusting. So is every part of life and everything. 25. Lucilla saw Verus die, and then Lucilla died. Secunda saw Maximus die, and then Secunda died. Epitinkanus saw Diotimus die, and then Epitinkanus died. Antoninus saw Faustina die, and then Antoninus died. Such is everything. Sella saw Hadrianus die and then Sella died. And those sharp-witted men, either seers or men inflated with pride, where are they? For instance, the sharp-witted men, Carax and Demetrius the Platonist, and Eudemon, and anyone else like them. All ephemeral, dead long ago. Some, indeed, have not been remembered even for a short time, 
and others have become the heroes of fables, and again others have disappeared even from fables. Remember this, then, that this little compound, thyself, must either be dissolved, or thy poor breath must be extinguished, or be removed and placed elsewhere. 26. It is satisfaction to a man to do the proper works of a man. Now it is a proper work of a man to be benevolent to his own kind, to despise the movements of the senses, to form a just judgment of plausible appearances, and to take a survey of the nature of the universe and of the things which happen in it. 27. There are three relations between thee and other things, the one to the body which surrounds thee, the second to the divine cause from which all things come to all, and the third to those who live with thee. 28. Pain is either an evil to the body, then let the body say what it thinks of it, or to the soul. But it is in the power of the soul to maintain its own serenity and tranquillity, and not to think that pain is an evil. For every judgment and movement and desire and aversion is within, and no evil ascends so high. 29. Wipe out thy imaginations by often saying to thyself, Now it is in my power to let no badness be in this soul, nor desire, nor any perturbation at all. But looking at all things, I see what is their nature, and I use each according to its value. Remember this power, which thou hast from nature. 30. Speak both to the Senate and to every man, whoever he may be, appropriately, not with any affectation. Use plain discourse. 31. Augustus's court, wife, daughter, descendants, ancestors, sister, Agrippa, kinsmen, intimates, friends, Areus, Mycenas, physicians and sacrificing priests, the whole court is dead. Then turn to the rest, not considering the death of a single man, but of a whole race, as of the Pompey and that which is inscribed on the tombs, the last of his race. Then consider what troubles those before them had that they might leave a successor, and then that of necessity someone must be the last. Again, here, consider the death of a whole race. 32. It is thy duty to order thy life well in every single act, and if every act does its duty as far as is possible, be content. And no one is able to hinder thee, so that each act shall not do its duty. But something external will stand in the way. Nothing will stand in the way of thy acting justly, and soberly, and considerately. But perhaps some other active power will be hindered. Well, but by acquiescing in the hindrance, and by being content to transfer thy efforts to that which is allowed, another opportunity of action is immediately put before thee, in place of that which was hindered, and one which will adapt itself to this ordering of which we are speaking. 33. Receive wealth or prosperity without arrogance, and be ready to let it go. 34. 
If thou didst ever see a hand cut off, or a foot, or a head, lying anywhere apart from the rest of the body, such does a man make himself, as far as he can, who is not content with what happens, and separates himself from others, or does anything unsocial. Suppose that thou hast detached thyself from the natural unity, for thou wast made by nature apart, but now thou hast cut thyself off. Yet here there is this beautiful provision, that it is in thy power again to unite thyself. God has allowed this to no other part, after it has been separated and cut asunder, to come together again. But consider the kindness by which he has distinguished man, for he has put it in his power not to be separated at all from the universal. And when he has been separated, he has allowed him to return, and to be united, and to resume his place as a part. 35. As the nature of the universal has given to every rational being all the other powers that it has, so we have received from it this power also. For as the universal nature converts and fixes in its predestined place everything which stands in the way and opposes it, and makes such things a part of itself, so also the rational animal is able to make every hindrance its own material, and to use it for such purposes as it may have designed. 36. Do not disturb thyself by thinking of the whole of thy life. Let not thy thoughts at once embrace all the various troubles which thou mayest expect to befall thee. But on every occasion ask thyself, What is there in this which is intolerable and past bearing? For thou wilt be ashamed to confess. In the next place, remember that neither the future nor the past pains thee, but only the present. But this is reduced to a very little, if thou only circumscribest it, and chidest thy mind if it is unable to hold out against even this. 37. Does Panthea or Fergamos now sit by the tomb of Verus? Does Coreus or Diotimus sit by the tomb of Hadrianus? That would be ridiculous. Well, suppose they did sit there, would the dead be conscious of it? And if the dead were conscious, would they be pleased? And if they were pleased, would that make them immortal? Was it not in the order of destiny that these persons too shall first become old women and old men, and then die? What then would those do after these were dead? All this is foul smell and blood in a bag. 38. If thou canst see sharp, look and judge wisely, says the philosopher. 39. In the constitution of the rational animal, I see no virtue which is opposed to justice, but I see a virtue which is opposed to love of pleasure, and that is temperance. 40. If thou takest away thy opinion about that which appears to give thee pain, thou thyself standest in perfect security. Who is this self? The reason. But I am not reason. Be it so, let the reason itself not trouble itself, but if any other part of thee suffers, let it have its own opinion about itself. 41. 
Hindrance to the perceptions of sense is an evil to the animal nature. Hindrance to the desires is equally an evil to the animal nature. And something else also is equally an impediment and an evil to the constitution of plants. So then, that which is a hindrance to the intelligence is an evil to the intelligent nature. Apply all these things then to thyself. Does pain or sensuous pleasure affect thee? The senses will look to that. Has any obstacle opposed thee in thy efforts towards an object? If indeed thou wast making this effort absolutely, unconditionally, or without any reservation, certainly this obstacle is an evil to thee, considered as a rational animal. But if thou takest into consideration the usual course of things, thou hast not yet been injured, nor even impeded. No other man can impede the things which are proper to the understanding, for neither fire, nor iron, nor tyrant, nor abuse touches it in any way. When it has been made a sphere, it continues a sphere. 42. It is not fit that I should give myself pain, for I have never intentionally given pain even to another. 43. Different things delight different people. But it is my delight to keep the ruling faculty sound without turning away either from any man or from any of the things which happen to men, but looking at and receiving all with welcome eyes and using everything according to its value. 44. See that thou secure this present time to thyself. For those who rather pursue posthumous fame do not consider that the men of after-time will be exactly such as these whom they cannot bear now, and both are mortal. And what is it in any way to thee, if these men of after-time utter this sound or that, or have this or that opinion about thee? 45. Take me and cast me where thou wilt, for there I shall keep my divine part tranquil, that is, content, if it can feel and act comfortably to its proper constitution. Is this change of place sufficient reason why my soul should be unhappy, and worse than it was, depressed, expanded, shrinking, affrighted? And what wilt thou find which is sufficient reason for this? 46. Nothing can happen to any man which is not a human accident nor to an ox which is not according to the nature of an ox, nor to a vine which is not according to the nature of a vine, nor to a stone which is not proper to a stone. If, then, there happens to each thing both what is usual and natural, why shouldst thou complain? For the common nature brings nothing which may not be borne by thee. 47. If thou art pained by any external thing, it is not this thing that disturbs thee, but thy own judgment about it. And it is in thy power to wipe out this judgment now. But if anything in thy own disposition gives thee pain, who hinders thee from correcting thy opinion? And even if thou art pained because thou art not doing some particular thing which seems to thee to be right, why dost thou not rather act than complain? But some insuperable obstacle is in the way? Do not be grieved, then, for the cause of its not being done depends not on thee. 
but it is not worth while to live if this cannot be done. Take thy departure then from life contentedly, just as he dies who is full in activity, and well pleased too with the things which are obstacles. 48. Remember that the ruling faculty is invincible. When self-collected it is satisfied with itself. If it does nothing which it does not choose to do, even if it resist from mere obstinacy, what then will it be when it forms a judgment about anything aided by reason and deliberately? Therefore, the mind which is free from passions is a citadel, for man has nothing more secure to which he can fly for refuge, and for the future be invincible. He then who does not see this is an ignorant man, but he who has seen it and does not fly to this refuge is unhappy. 49. Say nothing more to thyself than what the first appearances report. Suppose that it has been reported to thee that a certain person speaks ill of thee. This has been reported, but that thou hast been injured, that has not been reported. I see that my child is sick, I do see, but that he is in danger, I do not see. Thus, then, always abide by the first appearances, and add nothing thyself from within, and then nothing happens to thee. Or rather, add something like a man who knows everything that happens in the world. 50. A cucumber is bitter, throw it away. There are briars in the road, turn aside from them. This is enough. Do not add, and why were such things made in the world? For thou wilt be ridiculed by a man who is acquainted with nature, as thou wouldst be ridiculed by a carpenter and a shoemaker, if thou didst find fault because thou seest in their workshop shavings and cuttings from the things which they make. And yet they have places into which they can throw these shavings and cuttings, and the universal nature has no external space. But the wondrous part of her art is that though she has circumscribed herself, everything within her which appears to decay and to grow old, and to be useless, she changes into herself, and again makes other new things from these very same, so that she requires neither substance from without, nor wants a place into which she may cast that which decays. She is content then with her own space, and her own matter, and her own art. 51. Neither in thy actions be sluggish, nor in thy conversation without method, nor wandering in thy thoughts, nor let there be in thy soul inward contention and external effusion, nor in life be so busy as to have no leisure. Suppose that men kill thee, cut thee in pieces, curse thee, what then can these things do to prevent thy mind from remaining pure, wise, sober, just? For instance, if a man should stand by a limpid pure spring and curse it, the spring never ceases sending up portable water, and if he should cast clay into it or filth, it will speedily disperse them and wash them out, and will not be at all polluted. How, then, shalt thou possess a perpetual fountain, and not a mere well? By forming thyself hourly to freedom, conjoined with contentment, simplicity, and modesty. 52. He who does not know what the world is, does not know where he is. 
and he who does not know for what purpose the world exists does not know who he is, nor what the world is. But he who has failed in any one of these things could not even say for what purpose he exists himself. What, then, dost thou think of him who seeks the praise of those who applaud, of men who know not either where they are or who they are? 53. Dost thou wish to be praised by a man who curses himself thrice every hour? Wouldst thou wish to please a man who does not please himself? Does a man please himself who repents of nearly everything that he does? 54. No longer let thy breathing only act in concert with the air which surrounds thee, but let thy intelligence also now be in harmony with the intelligence which embraces all things. For the intelligent power is no less diffused in all parts and pervades all things for him who is willing to draw it to him than the aerial power for him who is able to respire it. 55. Generally, wickedness does no harm at all to the universe, and particularly the wickedness of one man does no harm to another. It is only harmful to him who has it in his power to be released from it as soon as he shall choose. 56. To my own free will, the free will of my neighbour is just as indifferent as his poor breath and flesh. For though we are made especially for the sake of one another, still the ruling power of each of us has its own office. For otherwise my neighbour's wickedness would be my harm, which God has not willed, in order that my unhappiness may not depend on another. 57. The sun appears to be poured down, and in all directions indeed it is diffused. Yet it is not effused, for the diffusion is extension. Accordingly, its rays are called extensions, because they are extended. But one may judge what kind of a thing a ray is if he looks at the sun's light passing through a narrow opening into a darkened room, for it is extended in a right line, and, as it were, is divided when it meets with any solid body which stands in the way and intercepts the air beyond. But there the light remains fixed, and does not glide or fall off. Such, then, ought to be the outpouring and diffusion of the understanding, and it should be in no way an effusion, but an extension, and it should make no violent or impetuous collision with the obstacles which are in its way, nor yet fall down, but be fixed, and enlighten that which receives it. For a body will deprive itself of the illumination, if it does not admit it. 58. He who fears death either fears the loss of sensation, or a different kind of sensation. But if thou shalt have no sensation, neither wilt thou feel any harm, and if thou shalt acquire another kind of sensation, Thou wilt be a different kind of living being, and thou wilt not cease to live. 59. Men exist for the sake of one another. Teach them then, or bear with them. 60. In one way an arrow moves, in another way the mind. The mind indeed, both when it exercises caution and when it is employed about inquiry, Move straight onward, not the less, and to its object. 61. 
enter into every man's ruling faculty, and also let every other man enter into thine. Book 9 1. He who acts unjustly acts impiously. For since the universal nature has made rational animals for the sake of one another, to help one another according to their deserts, but in no way to injure one another, he who transgresses her will is clearly guilty of impiety towards the highest divinity. And he too who lies is guilty of impiety to the same divinity, for the universal nature is the nature of things that are, and things that are have a relation to all things that come into existence. And further, this universal nature is named truth, and is the prime cause of all things that are true. He then who lies intentionally is guilty of impiety, inasmuch as he acts unjustly by deceiving. And he also who lies unintentionally, inasmuch as he is at variance with the universal nature, and inasmuch as he disturbs the order by fighting against the nature of the world. For he fights against it who is moved of himself to that which is contrary to truth. For he had received powers from nature through the neglect of which he is not able now to distinguish falsehood from truth. And indeed, he who pursues pleasure as good and avoids pain as evil is guilty of impiety. For of necessity, such a man must often find fault with the universal nature, alleging that it assigns things to the bad and the good contrary to their deserts, because frequently the bad are in enjoyment of pleasure, and possess the things which procure pleasure, but the good have pain for their share, and the things which cause pain. And further, he who is afraid of pain will sometimes also be afraid of some of the things which will happen in the world, and even this is impiety. And he who pursues pleasure will not abstain from injustice, and this is plainly impiety. Now with respect to the things towards which the universal nature is equally affected, for it would not have made both unless it was equally affected towards both, Towards these, they who wish to follow nature should be of the same mind with it, and equally affected. With respect to pain, then, and pleasure, or death and life, or honour and dishonour, which the universal nature employs equally, whoever is not equally affected is manifestly acting impiously. And I say that the universal nature employs them equally, instead of saying that they happen alike to those who are produced in continuous series, and to those who come after them by virtue of a certain original movement of providence, according to which it moved from a certain beginning to this ordering of things, having conceived certain principles of the things which were to be, and having determined powers productive of beings and of changes and of such like successions. 2. It would be a man's happiest lot to depart from mankind without having had any taste of lying and hypocrisy and luxury and pride. However, to breathe out one's life when a man has had enough of these things is the next best voyage, as the saying is. Hast thou determined to abide with vice, and hast not experience yet induced thee to fly from this pestilence? For the destruction of the understanding is a pestilence, 
much more indeed than any such corruption and change of this atmosphere which surrounds us. For this corruption is a pestilence of animals, so far as they are animals, but the other is a pestilence of men, so far as they are men. 3. Do not despise death, but be well content with it, since this too is one of the things which nature wills. For such as it is to be young and grow old, and to increase and reach maturity, and to have teeth and beard and grey hairs, and to beget and to be pregnant, and to bring forth and all the other natural operations which the seasons of thy life bring, such also is dissolution. This, then, is consistent with the character of a reflecting man, to be neither careless nor impatient nor contemptuous with respect to death, but to wait for it as one of the operations of nature. As thou now waitest for the time when the child shall come out of thy wife's womb, so be ready for the time thy soul shall fall out of this envelope. But if thou requirest also a vulgar kind of comfort, which shall reach thy heart, thou wilt be made best reconciled to death by observing the objects from which thou art going to be removed, and the morals of those with whom thy soul will no longer be mingled. For it is no way right to be offended with men, but it is thy duty to care for them and to bear with them gently. And yet to remember that thy departure will not be from men who have the same principles as thyself. For this is the only thing, if there be any, which could draw us to the contrary way and attach us to life, to be permitted to live with those who have the same principles as ourselves. But now thou seest how great is the trouble arising from the discordance of those who live together, so that thou mayst say, Come quick, O death, lest perchance I too should forget myself. 4. He who does wrong does wrong against himself. He who acts unjustly acts unjustly to himself, because he makes himself bad. 5. He often acts unjustly who does not do a certain thing, not only he who does a certain thing. 6. Thy present opinion founded on understanding, and thy present conduct directed to social good, and thy present disposition of contentment with everything which happens. That is enough. 7. Wipe out imagination. Check desire, extinguish appetite, keep the ruling faculty in its own power. 8. Among the animals which have not reason, one life is distributed, but among reasonable animals one intelligent soul is distributed. Just as there is one earth of all things which are of an earthly nature, and we see by one light and breathe one air, all of us that have the faculty of vision, and all that have life. 9. All things which participate in anything which is common to them all, move towards that which is of the same kind with themselves. Everything which is earthy turns towards the earth, everything which is liquid flows together, and everything which is of an aerial kind does the same, so that they require something to keep them asunder, and the application of force. 
Fire, indeed, moves upwards on account of the elemental fire, but it is so ready to be kindled together with all the fire which is here, that even every substance which is somewhat dry is easily ignited, because there is less mingled with it of that which is a hindrance to ignition. Accordingly, then, everything also which participates in the common intelligent nature moves in like manner towards that which is of the same kind with itself, or moves even more. For so much as it is superior in comparison with all other things, in the same degree also is it more ready to mingle with and to be fused with that which is akin to it. Accordingly, among animals devoid of reason, we find swarms of bees and herds of cattle, and the nurture of young birds, and in a manner, love. For even in animals there are souls, and that power which brings them together is seen to exert itself in a superior degree, and in such a way as never has been observed in plants, nor in stones, nor in trees. But in rational animals there are political communities and friendships, and families and meetings of people, and in wars, treaties, and armistices. But in the things which are still superior, even though they are separated from one another, unity in a manner exists, as in the stars. Thus, the ascent to the higher degree is able to produce sympathy even in things which are separated. See, then, what now takes place, for only intelligent animals have now forgotten this mutual desire and inclination, and in them alone the property of flowing together is not seen. But still, though men strive to avoid this union, they are caught and held by it, for their nature is too strong for them. And thou wilt see what I say, if thou only observest. Sooner, then, will one find anything earthy which comes in contact with no earthy thing than a man altogether separated from other men. 10. Both man and God and the universe produce fruit. At the proper seasons, each produces it. But, and if usage has especially fixed these terms to the vine and like things, this is nothing. Reason produces fruit both for all and for itself, and there are produced from it other things of the same kind as reason itself. 11. If thou art able, correct by teaching those who do wrong. But if thou canst not, remember that indulgence is given to thee for this purpose. And the gods too are indulgent to such persons, and for some purposes they even help them to get health, wealth, reputation, so kind they are. And it is in thy power also. Or say, who hinders thee? 12. Labour not as one who is wretched, nor yet as one who would be pitied or admired, but direct thy will to one thing only, to put thyself in motion, and to check thyself, as the social reason requires. 13. Today I have got out of all trouble, or rather, I have cast out all trouble, for it was not outside, but within, and in my opinions. 14. All things are the same, familiar in experience and ephemeral in time, and worthless in the matter. 
Everything now is just as it was in the time of those whom we have buried. 16. Not in passivity, but in activity, lie the evil and the good of the rational social animal. Just as his virtue and his vice lie not in passivity, but in activity. 17. For the stone which has been thrown up, it is no evil to come down, nor indeed any good to have been carried up. 18. Penetrate inwards into men's leading principles, and thou wilt see what judges thou art afraid of, and what kind of judges they are of themselves. 19. All things are changing and thou thyself art in continuous mutation, and in a manner in continuous destruction, and the whole universe too. 20. It is thy duty to leave another man's wrongful act there where it is. 21. Termination of activity, cessation from movement and opinion, and in a sense their death, is no evil, Turn thy thoughts now to the consideration of thy life, thy life as a child, as a youth, thy manhood, thy old age, for in these also every change was a death. Is this anything to fear? Turn thy thoughts now to thy life under thy grandfather, then to thy life under thy mother, then to thy life under thy father, and as thou findest many other differences and changes and terminations, Ask thyself, is this anything to fear? In like manner, then, neither are the termination and cessation and change of thy whole life a thing to be afraid of. 22. Hasten to examine thy own ruling faculty, and that of the universe, and that of thy neighbour, thy own, that thou mayest make it just, and that of the universe, that thou mayest remember of what thou art a part, and that of thy neighbour, that thou mayest know whether he has acted ignorantly or with knowledge, and thou mayest also consider that his ruling faculty is akin to thine. 23. As thou thyself art a component part of a social system, so let every act of thine be a component part of social life. Whatever act of thine, then, has no reference, either immediately or remotely to a social end, this tears asunder thy life, and does not allow it to be one, and is of the nature of a mutiny, just as when, in a popular assembly, a man acting by himself stands apart from the general agreement. 24. Quarrels of little children and their sports and poor spirits carrying about dead bodies, such is everything. And so what is exhibited in the representation of the mansions of the dead strikes our eyes more clearly. 25. Examine into the quality of the form of an object, and detach it altogether from its material part, and then contemplate it. Then determine the time the longest which a thing of this peculiar form is naturally made to endure. 26. Thou hast endured infinite troubles through being contented with thy ruling faculty when it does the things which it is constituted by nature to do, 
But enough of this. 27. When another blames thee, or hates thee, or when men say about thee anything injurious, approach their souls, penetrate within, and see what kind of men they are. Thou wilt discover that there is no reason to take any trouble that these men have this or that opinion about thee. However, thou must be well disposed towards them, for by nature they are friends. And the gods too aid them in all ways, by dreams, by signs, towards the attainment of the things on which they set a value. 28. The periodic movements of the universe are the same, up and down from age to age. And either the universal intelligence puts itself in motion for every separate effect, and if this is so, be thou content with that which is the result of its activity, or it puts itself in motion once, and everything else comes by way of sequence in a manner. Or indivisible elements are the origin of all things. In a word, if there is a god, all is well, and if chance rules, do not thou also be governed by it. Soon the earth will cover us all, then the earth too will change, and the things also which result from change will continue to change forever, and these again forever. For if a man reflects on the changes and transformations which follow one another like wave after wave, and their rapidity, he will despise everything which is perishable. 29. The universal cause is like a winter torrent, it carries everything along with it. But how worthless are all these poor people who are engaged in matters political, and, as they suppose, are playing the philosopher. All drivellers. Well then, man, do what nature now requires. Set thyself in motion, if it is in thy power, and do not look about thee to see if any one will observe it. Nor yet expects Plato's Republic, but be content if the smallest thing goes on well, and consider such an event to be no small matter. For who can change men's opinions? And without a change of opinions, what else is there than the slavery of men who groan while they pretend to obey? Come now, and tell me of Alexander, and Philippus, and Demetrius, and Phalerum. They themselves shall judge whether they discovered what the common nature required, and trained themselves accordingly. But if they acted like tragic heroes, no one has condemned me to imitate them. Simple and modest is the work of philosophy. Draw me not aside to insolence and pride. 30. Look down from above on the countless herds of men and their countless solemnities and the infinitely varied voyagings in storms and calms and the differences among those who are born and who live together and die. And consider, too, the life lived by others in olden time and the life of those who will live after thee, and the life now lived among barbarous nations, and how many know not even thy name, and how many will soon forget it, and how they who perhaps now are praising thee will very soon blame thee, and that neither a posthumous name is of any value, nor reputation, nor anything else. 31. 
Let there be freedom from perturbations with respect to the things which come from the external cause, and let there be justice in the things done by virtue of the internal cause. That is, let there be movement and action terminating in this, in social acts, for this is according to thy nature. 32. Thou canst remove out of the way many useless things among those which disturb thee, for they lie entirely in thy opinion. And thou wilt gain for thyself ample space by comprehending the whole universe in thy mind, and by contemplating the eternity of time, and observing the rapid change of every several thing. How short is the time from birth to dissolution, and the illimitable time before birth, as well as the equally boundless time after dissolution. 33. All that thou seest will quickly perish, and those who have been spectators of its dissolution will very soon perish too. And he who dies at the extremest old age will be brought into the same condition with him who died prematurely. 34. What are these men's leading principles, and about what kind of things are they busy, and for what kind of reasons do they love and honour? Imagine that thou seest their poor souls laid bare, when they think they do harm by their blame, or good by their praise. What an idea! 35. Loss is nothing else than change, but the universal nature delights in change, and in obedience to her all things are now done well, and from eternity have been in like form, and will be such to time without end. What then dost thou say, that all things have been, and all things always will be bad, and that no power has ever been found in so many gods to rectify these things, but the world has been condemned to be bound in never-ceasing evil? 36. The rottenness of the matter which is the foundation of everything, water, dust, bones, filth, or again marble rocks, the callosities of the earth, and gold and silver, the sediments, and garments, only bits of hair, and purple dye, blood, and everything else is of the same kind. And that which is of the nature of breath is also another thing of the same kind, changing from this to that. 37. Enough of this wretched life, and murmuring and apish tricks. Why art thou disturbed? What is there new in this? What unsettles thee? Is it the form of the thing? Look at it. Or is it the matter? Look at it. But besides these there is nothing. Towards the gods, then, now become at last more simple and better. It is the same whether we examine these things for a hundred years or three. 38. If a man has done wrong, the harm is his own. But perhaps he has not done wrong. 39. Either all things proceed from one intelligent source, and come together as in one body, and the part ought not to find fault with what is done for the benefit of the whole, or there are only atoms, and nothing else than mixture and dispersion. Why, then, art thou disturbed? Say to thy ruling faculty, 
Art thou dead? Art thou corrupted? Art thou playing the hypocrite? Art thou become a beast? Dost thou herd and feed with the rest? 40. Either the gods have no power, or they have power. If then they have no power, why dost thou pray to them? But if they have power, why dost thou not pray for them to give thee the faculty of not fearing any of the things which thou fearest, or of not desiring any of the things which thou desirest, or of not being pained at anything, rather than pray that any of these things should or should not happen? For certainly, if they can cooperate with men, they can cooperate for these purposes. But perhaps thou wilt say that the gods have placed them in thy power. Well, then, is it not better to use what is in thy power like a free man, than to desire in a slavish and abject way what is not in thy power? And who has told thee that the gods do not aid us, even in the things which are in our power? Begin, then, to pray for such things, and thou wilt see. One man prays thus, How shall I be able to lie with that woman? Do thou pray thus, How shall I not desire to lie with her? Another prays thus, How shall I be released from this? Pray thou, How shall I not desire to be released? Another thus, How shall I not lose my little son? Thou thus, how shall I not be afraid to lose him? In fine, turn thy prayers this way, and see what comes. 41. Epicurus says, In my sickness my conversation was not about my bodily sufferings, nor, says he, did I talk on such subjects.